Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as Pastor Chad delivers this week's message. It's not just today where we're honoring graduates, which we are. If you're a graduate, by the way, would you stand? If you're a graduate, would you stand? There you go. We've got a couple graduates. Yeah. Hey, stay standing. If you're going into seventh grade, please stand also. If you're going into seventh grade. So this is, there we go. And going into fifth grade. Anyone going into fifth grade? Yeah, we got some fifth graders. Some. What about kindergartners? All right, if you're going into kindergarten, I don't know if you, I don't even know if I can see you. There we go. Hey. All right. I couldn't see him. Sorry, they were, they were in the crowd. It, it just at head level. Hey, it is, it's awesome to be here and to celebrate days like this. You know, when we come to church, so many times what we do in here just becomes something where we just think is so serious. And it's great to just come together and just celebrate what else God is doing and just celebrate, honestly, just the natural promotions of life, whether it's part of the school system or even at home. And this is something that we firmly believe here at the church. We've had some conversations at my house here recently about what it would be like, actually it was with Gracie, and she was, she was saying, I wonder what it would be like for, for her to have been raised up in the 80s. So we watched an 80s movie. Yeah, come on, give it up for the 80s, anybody? Hey, I just want to say thank you for holding on to those hairstyles, 80s people. Sorry, just kid- don't look around, make them nervous. I was just kidding. Sometimes people take me so literal, like, no, I'm joking, take a deep breath, it's okay. So last night we watched an, an 80s movie, and we wanted Gracie to, or it's not an 80s movie. Well, we did watch an 80s movie, and then we watched another movie. It's not from the 80s that was kind of like supposed to be themed in the 80s. So she's sitting down, and she's trying to catch all the 80s references. And so we just, I, I really was glad that she sat and watched it because she really just got, you know, full force into, hey, what would it have been like for us to be in the 80s? The only thing that we didn't see is a mullet, unfortunately. It's really bad. So I'm sorry. You're deprived. You didn't see the old Kentucky mud flap. You didn't. You know, or the Tennessee turnover, or I call the achy breaky big mistakey, right? It's like you didn't see that. But but it but it was cool in that time. What we all can agree upon is this, not the fact that the eighties were great or the nineties were great or the seventies are great or the sixties were great or the fifties were great. We got some forties in the house, probably some forties in the maybe forties were great. Not that we can necessarily agree on all those things. What we can agree on is this that the world that a child is born into is quite different than the world that they will graduate into. Can we all agree with that? The world that it doesn't matter what generation that you're born into, it's different than the world you graduate into. The world just changes. And I believe that because of that, we need reliable guides for that journey. But we need people to to help us kind of navigate all of the, the, the difficulties and ups and downs of life. And something, and again, the key word there is reliable. Because if we rely upon the wrong thing, we will end up getting swept up in the current of what's going on in our culture. And we won't have a stable and vibrant faith. It doesn't matter how hard we try not to. Some of us as parents, we feel kind of like, like a gentleman. Maybe you read this in the news. On May 12th this year, there was a passenger on a plane. There was only a couple passengers on the plane and he heard, uh, his name is Darren, and he heard the pilot say, I'm not feeling so well. And then he realized that the pilot wasn't feeling so well when the pilot then become incapacitated. By the way, he's the only pilot of the plane. It's a small Cessna plane. 
So he's a passenger on the plane. He hears the, the pilot say, oh, I'm not feeling so well. And then he slumped over. And then no one's feeling so well, right, in that moment. So what do you do in that? Well, some of us, you know, maybe we wouldn't rise to the occasion like he did. Darren Harrison, he decided that, well, it's either die or spring to, spring to action, which is, when he, which is the thing that he did. He, he was on a flight coming back from the Bahamas and going to Florida so he steps over the rows of chairs into the pilot's seat. He moves the pilot out of the way. All the while, the plane is in a descent, by the way. That means it's going down. And if you're in a plane with no pilot, that means you're going to die. That's what that means, pretty much. Unless, of course, something happens. Well, he steps in, moves the pilot. He takes over the seat, somehow puts on his headset in the middle of this, and then contacts someone out in outer space or whatever, trying to find out how can I get this thing home. So he patches through to the air traffic controllers in Fort Pierce, Florida. By the way, I've actually flown out of Fort Pierce, Florida. Not all that flashy. But he talks to the air traffic controller, and he's like, hey, we've got a problem. The pilot is, he is incapacitated, and I don't know how to fly a plane. So they called a guy who was, who was kind of like a, he was a flight instructor. He had some experience on that particular plane, I believe, or definitely on Cessnas. They call him off his lunch break, and he's there, and he talks Darren down out of the sky. And yet they got nervous because there was this moment in time where he's guiding him down, and he takes controls, and then he, he just there was just seconds where they heard nothing. And it was just about the time where he was about to touch down, and they're like, well, you're going to touch down because gravity always wins. It just didn't know how, what kind of touchdown that was. So there was a pause of about 10 or so seconds, or at least it felt like 10 seconds, what he said. And he ends up landing the plane. And he says, I'm on the ground. What do you want me to do now? <laughs> and his response was, my heart was just kind of sinking. And he just shouted, thank God. Some of us as parents, we, we feel like that. We feel like we have the weight of the world on our shoulders. We feel ill-equipped uh, to, to do the thing that we're supposed to do. Some of us grandparents, are you're parenting again, and you're in the reality of this too. You're like, I just don't know what to do. You feel like you're in a plane where you've never done this before. You've never been in this space before. You're not trained like you know you ought to be, but yet you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, and you feel like if I don't get this right, it's all going to go bad, and it's my fault. Can we just be honest and say sometimes we feel like that as parents or grandparents? And then we're just like, what do we do? What do we say? There's a lot of things we could do and there's a lot of things we can say. In those moments and every other moment, I think we need to remind ourselves to, let's just give ourselves the grace we need and give God the credit He deserves. And just give him the respect that he deserves. Understand that ah, you don't have all the weight of the world on your shoulders. Let's give us the grace we need. But also lean heavy into this truth and just give God the respect that he deserves. Well, how do we prepare our kids for a world, to enter a world that's rapidly changing? My suggestion for you is this. Begin with the end in mind and you won't have to fly blind. If you begin with the end in mind, you won't have to fly blind. It doesn't matter where you are in the spectrum of parenting. If you would embrace this truth, 
you would begin with the type of person that you'd want them to be, not what, them, what, not what you see them doing for a living. Don't start there. You can eventually get there, but don't start there. Instead, start with, in the beginning, is this, who do I, who, who, if, if I could choose the type of person that they would become to be ready for a rapidly changing world, what kind of person would that be? And then you should ask another question. What do I have to do to help them get there? What do I have to do to help them get there? There's going to be one verse that we're going to look at and maybe touch some other ones along the way, but the one verse comes from Psalm 22, or excuse me, Proverbs 22, verse 6, and it says this. It's familiar to many of you. It says, train a child in the way that he should go or she should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. So it's, it's beginning with the end in mind. I'm training a child, not for just the season they're in, but I'm training a child, and no matter where they are, where you are in the spectrum of parenting, for the world that's coming, and so that they would be prepared and be the type of person who is ready to embrace that world. Because we can't, we can't do anything about the changing world. All we can do is we can prepare our kids to be ready for the world that they're going to enter into. So this, this word train is an interesting word. It's actually a rare word in the Bible, and it can also be used to mean dedicate. It takes this idea of, of setting aside or narrowing or, or hedging in a, a, a person or a child in this context. So it's like they have all of the world that's, that's like trying to vie for their attention and their affection and you're training them and you're narrowing and you're narrowing and you're narrowing and you're narrowing and the path that God wants them to be on and the path that they should be on. So you're training them not just in a vague sense, but you're, you're so narrow in your focus of like this is the type of person who would be prepared for the world that's coming for them. Training a child in the way that he should go. When, he's an old, when he is old, he will not turn from it. If you have your, your info card, like I do, first fill in the blank is this. Training up a child helps them to prepare for what they are designed for. You're training up a child to help them prepare for what they are designed for. what they are uniquely equipped to do or will be uniquely equipped to do with your help and with proper discipleship, with spiritual governing, what they will be prepared to do. What's amazing is your kids are, are uniquely gifted and their gifts are not, not, not necessarily uni uniquely gifted like yours. Their likes and dislikes are different than yours. You may have been really good at a sport, and yet your job as, to, as a parent is to not get them to be good at the sport that you were good at. Instead, if they're going to be athletic or into sports, to help them to excel in the sport that they want to be in or to help them excel in education, definitely. And above all of that, more important than all of that, to know uh, to help them and, and hedge them in, train them in to having a walk with God. A spiritual walk. 
the challenge that, that I see is this. There's so much emphasis on what, a, what our child or what our teenagers are, are trying to do or supposed to do, and we're lost on who they're supposed to become. So instead, it becomes this, this mass of sports, and we've got to do this, and we've got to have this travel team, and we've got to do here, and we've got to have dance, and we've got to have volleyball, and we've got to have, we've, we've got to have the musicals, and we've got to travel, and we've got to get all caught up in all these things. And sadly, what happens is you, you miss the key development times of shaping their behavior and their character. There's nothing wrong with sports. I was athletic too. I'm still athletic. I, I love all those things. I could talk sports for hours. But what, but what I'm trying to say is don't miss what's most important with what's important right now. With what you think maybe is important right now is the season that's coming up. Don't, don't get lost in this little season and miss who it is that God wants them to be. And who you're supposed to lead them to be by His grace. So in doing this, there should be taking into account their natural gifts. What are, what are your, your, your kids' natural gifts? Help them to develop those natural gifts. If they are followers of Jesus, what are their spiritual gifts? Do they know what their spiritual gifts are? Are they using their spiritual gifts? I know that some of... Those spiritual gifts get used here on Sunday mornings, and some of those natural gifts get used here on Sunday mornings, and I just, I love to see our teenagers either on stage or in the booth serving. I just, I love it. But I also love to see middle schoolers serving. I also love to see elementary kids serving, and I also love to see preschool kids serving. Because if we can get them in the habit of, of service and with the value of that, you won't have to correct all that, that could be wrong with them by the time they're adults because it's just part of their lifestyle. So what are their, their natural gifts? What are their spiritual gifts? What are they just naturally good at? What is their, what is their heart inclined to? Not your heart, theirs. Do you know? What has happened in the experiences of their life that has shaped them to be the people that they are today? And how can that be used to build the kingdom of God? Next fill in the blank is this. Parents can't train a child unless they're being trained themselves. Unless they're being trained. Not fully trained, but just being trained. It doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. Take a deep breath. Pat yourself on the back. Say, I'm doing okay. Because you are. As a parent, you're doing okay. As a grandparent, you're doing okay. Sure, we can improve and we will improve by God's grace. But if we're going to train a child in the way that they should go, don't you think we should also be going on our own way? We should also be going in God's way? Don't you also think that we should be pursuing God in such a way that although they may not, that you, you may not use words to explain everything, but they would be looking at your life and say, mom and dad pursues Jesus, grandma and grandpa pursue Jesus, therefore we're just, we're just a family that pursues Jesus. This is just in a small way of, of you training yourself and then trusting that they're going to see that in you and through you. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 10 will help us. 
this idea of training the Apostle Paul to his young protege by the name of Timothy. Timothy was kind of a timid person. He was somebody who, who just, he, I believe he, it was in his heart to engage. He was a young pastor. He wanted to engage, but yet Paul had to give him a little oomph. Anybody else needed a little oomph before? Somebody needed a little oomph like this, and some people need an oomph like that, right? Am I honest? That's like some, I don't know which kind of oomph he needed, but he needed one of those things. So the, here's the, the oomph, and here's part of what Paul, Paul tells Timothy, which also God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, is telling us today. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this, we, we labor and strive, what Paul says to Timothy, and God says to us, and that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. Did you notice that Paul is reminding Timothy, he says, don't get caught up in all these old wives' tales and all these godless myths. And instead, he says, you need to center yourself on, on training yourself to be godly, doing what you can to put your, what yourself in the way of God's blessing. Oh, church, listen to me now. Some of us don't put ourselves in the way of God's blessing. Instead, we put ourselves in the way of God's cursing. Sometimes we just, we, we just allow, we, just, we do the wrong thing. We know what the right thing is to do. Instead, there is blessing and cursing, and then God allows that curse to fall upon us when we're not doing the right thing. And that, too, is a way for us to repent and come back to God. It's not, it's not evidence that God doesn't like you or that God hates you or that He's mad at you. Instead, even those obstacles that are in our way because we're doing the wrong thing is an opportunity to repent of that and turn back to what God wants. Even that, the Word of God says, is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Even that. Paul is reminding Timothy, and we're being reminded today, that we need to pursue God in all things. At the end of that passage, he said, This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. So he's reminding Timothy of the gospel. He's like, hey, remember the faith that's in you, the faith that the Holy Spirit has the seed of faith in you right now. He says, remember that, build upon that. It's the same thing for us parents and grandparents. We need to build upon that foundation with our kids. Not just having them go to church and just be like, hey, awesome, I got them in church. Instead, take, take what you learn at church and, and the faith element that's here, and then you bring it home. And you bring it home. In, in his second letter to Timothy... Paul wrote this in chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. He says, in fact, everyone who lives a godly, whoever wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Notice what he says in verse 14, but he says, but as for you, he's like, there's going to be people who just go out and they just wild through life. He's like, but as for you, 
continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it, which was his mom and his grandmother. We could go back, and that's who we learned it from. A godly woman by the name of Lois and a godly woman by the name of, of Unis or Enos. He says, because you know those from who you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture. Notice what he says. Now, this is just a pattern for all of life. This isn't just something that you would just pastor speak, that you would just expect to hear me say. Instead, there's something really meaty right here in verse 16 and 17. He says, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching. Where? At church? Yes, but also at home. It's, it's useful rebuking where? At church? Yes, but also at home. It's useful for correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm very compelled by this passage because it says no matter what it looks like, no matter what generation I'm in, no matter where, where it is that your kids are going to graduate into, if we were to embrace this truth from the Word of God right here in 2 Timothy 3 and 16 and 17... It says that, it's, that this word of God is God-breathed. It's useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So whatever generation that your kids are going to graduate into, no matter what, what, what generation that you are in right now, that you and I are in right now, it's like the word of God is here to prepare us for a work in that generation. For all of us in that generation. There's several key words that Paul used. He uses the word continue. And he says, have learned. In other words, he's building upon something from before. Become convinced of. He says, you know those whom you've learned it in verse 14. How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. In other words, the word of God was just a part of his lifestyle. It says, wise for salvation. Useful for teaching, useful rebuking, useful for correction, useful for training in righteousness. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good parent wants this for their kids. They want them to be thoroughly equipped for every good work that's in front of them. This puts us all right here in the same place together. Did you know that your kids were made for God's glory? Isaiah 43, 6 and 7 says this about God's people at the time and continuing to God's people now. He says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We were made to glorify God. We were also made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, that, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We were made for the glory of God, to glorify God. We were made in the image of God. We were given authority to help govern creation. That's a real mind bender for me. 
which means that we were made for God's glory and we get to work with him now as followers of Jesus. We get to work with him to bring the kingdom of heaven down to the kingdom of earth. And yet if, if you're in Christ, this is, these are all of our marching orders. There's a missional aspect. Not only were we made to glorify God, not only were we made in the image of God, also we were made with a mission in mind because saved people are sent people. Mark 16, 15 says this, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What does this mean? Does this mean that there's just, you just evangelize and we just need to, to tell people about the, the good news of the gospel? Yes and more. That means, in, in the words of missiologist and theologian Christopher Wright, he's, he says it can be broken down into three different aspects, this idea of bringing the good news to all of creation. Think about this as you're, you're, you're helping prepare your child for the future that's ahead and who it is that you want them to become and embracing the, the, the lost world in the future. There's an idea of cultivating the church. That means evangelism and teaching, bringing people to faith and repentance, Chris Wright, he adds to that, and he says there's also a caring for creation element. It's, it's creation means good economic practices with ecological concern. Good economic practices with ecological concern. And the last, he says, is just engaging society. That is with the idea of justice and compassion. This is what Jesus would talk about in the Sermon on the Mount, being salt and light. You see, I believe that if we were to embrace the reality of training a child in the way that he or she should go in hopes that they would not depart from it, it's this, it's raising a child who, will, who loves God with passion and then loves people on purpose. It's raising children who love God with passion and love God on purpose. Right in the middle of that, that verse, it says, train a child in the way he should go. If I were to, if I were to, to lead somebody to do something in the way that they should go, what I would do is I would try and match that person with somebody who's already been there before. They, they don't have to have that perfected, but they just have to be a step or two in, in advance. They just have to be a little bit more out front. Like, for instance, if I were going to be, if I wanted to learn how to be a French chef, you want me to become a French chef, and then you want me to invite you over. Let's be honest. That's what you want. If, if I were going to be a French chef, I would want to go with someone who is also a French chef. And, and if their name is Chef Boyardee, that doesn't make sense, and it's not, not the chef I'm looking for, right? But you see, what I would want to do is, if I knew that I wanted to become a certain type of person or to do a certain thing, I would align myself with that person, or I would become that person, just so I could help somebody else become that person. This is what we do when we're raising kids, whether as parents or grandparents, where we're raising our kids or raising somebody else's kids, this is what we should do. We should 
connect our kids with other people who are, who are becoming the type of person that we believe that they should become. We should be connecting them with the type of people, surrounding them with the type of people who, who have the type of character that we want our kids to have in the future. When you break it down like that, it's really not that difficult. Sadly, I wish I could tell you there was an easy way to do this, but there's not. Because parenting is not a sprint to the finish. Instead, parenting is a marathon. It's a marathon of care and concern. And you're maneuvering the changes required to help develop your kid's character. So it's not a sprint. It's not a, oh good, it's over now. Instead, it's a marathon. It doesn't stop. Which all the more, here's all the more reason why we need God to keep fueling us in our journey as parents. To make sure that, that we're being trained ourselves. That God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, will completely and totally just replenish us over and over and over and over again. Because as parents, what do we do? We just seem to have to do what? We seem to have to give and give and give and give. And the question is, who's giving to you as parents? So it's, it's not a sprint to the finish. I, I wish it was. I wish it was just a sprint and you could just relax, but you just can't. It's, I would just be lying to you if I said that it was. Instead, it feels more like a marathon of care and concern. And also maneuvering the changes, the the natural changes that a child will go through, but also the changes in the world, knowing when to have those conversations and what conversations you need to have. Again, we're trying to prepare our kids for the world that's coming. As I close today, I want to give you five timeless truths to thrive in a chaotic and changing world. Now, I apologize, I could spend a month and a half. I could spend a message on every one of these, and I won't. So the five timeless truths to thrive in a chaotic and changing world. The first one is is sacrifice. That's incorporating the values of, of putting aside the temporary for the eternal. A passage of scripture that you could walk them through is 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. Teaching them the value of, of a foundation that lasts, a foundation of faith rooted on Jesus that lasts. And the other type of foundation of wood, hay, and stubble that will just burn up one day and be gone. Living a life of sacrifice. When most people think of Jesus, this is what they think of first, is the sacrifice that he offered on the cross. And for good reason. But in a smaller yet significant way, we need to teach our kids that there's a value to sacrifice. Giving up, giving up the temporal for the eternal, understanding that there are, there are things in life that, that carry more weight than other things. And teaching them the value of, of belongings and possessions and people. Adding to people, the second thing is 
a life of service. And by that, I mean an intentional use of time and abilities and resources for the good of others. Service. Pastor, the scripture, maybe you would want to incorporate, dig into, uh, it could be from Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, and also Luke 22, 24 through 30. The third principle, maybe the most important, I'm not sure, is supplication. I had to keep it S's, so that's the reason why I chose this word. Prayer was easier, but supplication also means prayer. I had to dig deep for that one. By prayer, it mean, I'm meaning this, spirit-charged communication between the Father, the Father, and His kids. And you could lean heavy into a couple different references, but one of which would be Matthew 6, 5 through 15, when Jesus talks about the, the model prayer. Not the way that you have to pray, but it's just a fundamental way to pray. The fourth is spiritual family. Incorporating the values, the so important values, the spiritual family, which means attending church services, attending, attending youth group, attending life groups, serve on a team, and invite your kids to do the same. In spiritual family, you could go to Acts 2, 42 through 47. You could go to Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Or Ephesians 2, 19. Or Ephesians 4, 4 through 7. And the last, it's probably the most predictable. If you want to thrive in a chaotic and changing world, you need to go to the unchanging Word of God, the Scriptures. I spent a lot of time on 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 explaining the value of those things, hoping to inspire you to take those truths home. I've done my part. You as parents and grandparents, caregivers of children, we need to continue to do ours. And why do we do all these things? Why do we do these things? The bottom line is this, is because we need to love God with passion and love people on purpose. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We are so grateful for today. We're grateful to be in this place, to share these truths, to share the laughter, to share the memories, to share the stories, to be encouraged, to be equipped. and to glorify you in all things. Jesus, I thank you that your word is alive and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it cuts down deep into us. Father, I pray that in this moment there may be a parent, a grandparent who feels overwhelmed. Maybe they feel like a failure. God, remind them right now that, that you love them. You don't see them as a failure. 
If they've repented of their sins, they've given their lives to you. You don't just see them as a sinner. You see them as your children. So God, remind us of your love. And for the person who is either in the room or they're watching online right now, who may be so far away from you, God, I pray that that through this moment that they will not miss an opportunity to repent of their sins. They would turn to you. They would confess that they're a sinner and they they would admit the truth about themselves, but also admit the truth about you, that you're a God who loved them. And that Jesus, you died on the cross for their sins so they could be made right with the Father. So Spirit, lead us in this moment. We have other things that are gonna be going on, but Spirit, lead us. There's a man, woman, boy, or girl who's in this room who doesn't know you. God, let them not leave this service without making it right today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.